0: In today's NFC Championship matchup, the plus-135s take on the minus-160s. The minus-160s are the clear favorite heading into the game, though their success hinges on whether their star QB has fully recovered from injury. The plus-135s are the underdog story. A third-string quarterback and a defense at its peak are ready to put up a serious fight. Who will come out on top? Will they cover the spread? Stay tuned.
1: Welcome to the Supply and Demand Podcast. No, that was not an introduction to an actual uh, football game. It was none other than uh, Nate Reynolds reading a beautifully crafted uh, and mostly unintelligible uh, opening written by uh, Mike Orlando. So uh, it's been so long. I don't even know how to start this anymore. We had a winter recess. The winter recess. Yes, it, it is over, but we're back. And we're back in style. Mike's Zoom background is James Bond playing poker. Um, so I think we're... Uh, uh, <laughs> I think I think we're booling for today. So anyway, back to Mike. Wait, no. I'm one of your hosts, Greg. I'm Nate, as Greg um, inferred earlier.
2: I'm Stephen, which Greg did not infer earlier.
3: I was going to say the only person, Greg, you left out was Stephen uh, from all that, but... Uh, I'm like, and yeah, I wrote that really messy, uh, chaotic intro. And I think, as you might have noticed, um, I didn't use any names. There were no names of actual teams mentioned. Just numbers, numbers, right? A lot of, lot of weird numbers. What do they mean? Why are, why are we talking in one hundreds and two hundreds? Um, those were money lines, guys. Money lines are often used in sports gambling uh, as a way to show the likelihood of an event happening. And increasingly, sports betting and gambling in general has become kind of more important to uh, pieces of entertainment. Like you can predict when and how many things people are going to say and sing in the national anthem and how long the national anthem is going to be. That's a component of betting. In football games, well, betting's everywhere. And quite frankly, I don't understand all of it. I'm hoping we can get a better understanding of it today. Um, the San Francisco 49ers are playing the Philadelphia Eagles Today. At the time of recording this. And you can bet that there's going to be a lot of money involved in predicting the outcome of that game. So, today, you know, I want to sit down with you guys. I want to get a better understanding of what the heck is going on with gambling, with sports betting. Next week, Massachusetts is going to be legalizing sports betting in casinos, which is a huge deal for the state. Probably has a lot of revenue implications for the state and obviously for the gamblers. So, you know, heading into a, a you know a new frontier for Massachusetts, um, we got to make sure that people you know, and we should probably preface this in saying we are not gambling or you know financial advisors and don't ever listen to the things we say. But we this, want to try to make this sense. This does of what's not going
0: constitute on. financial advice.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely shouldn't. Definitely shouldn't. Um, so yeah, today's episode is about gambling. Um, and the first kind of thing. I want to get into with you guys is just, you know, simply, have you been to a casino? Have you, I personally have not been to a casino. I've been, you know, I've walked through, you know, what I imagine a casino kind of looks like on like a cruise ship, but it was, I'm sure just a microcosm of what it means and what it feels like and how the environment's created to be in a casino and, and all the temptations and things you can do within one. So um, have you guys been to one? What did you do there? Did you win any money? Uh, and if you haven't been to a casino, like what is your vision of what a casino might be? For me, I think of Casino Royale. I think of James Bond and his tuxedo sitting down at the table with his poker face, probably losing millions of dollars, getting poisoned, having to go out and get an antidote to the poison, coming back and winning. You know, that's what it's all about it's an underdog story it's a triumph it's very buttoned up it's very classy um
2: don't forget the martinis
3: there are lots of martinis there's a lot of drinking involved for sure so yeah i'll uh, i'll pass it off to steven chimed in with the martinis mm. there
2: take it away yeah so i've been to i i guess it's one casino but it's two different versions of the same casino both on Royal Caribbean cruise ships, which funny enough, the name of the casinos is Casino Royale. And it wasn't quite as, you know, high end as, as you see in James Bond, but it was, it's tough to describe what it's like in, at least this casino, it was so bright, but also so dark at the same time. Like they, every, every, sort of flashing light you see it's all slot machines are artificial lights the you know the bars lit up with all sorts of different colors whatever no windows you don't know what time it is and you just you're just enveloped in this environment where like you know it feels like anything could happen and when i was there The first time I was there, I actually wasn't old enough to gamble. So I just sort of took it all in and watched my family do what they were doing. Um, But the second time, I actually got to try out some of the things there. And I think one of the first things I did was the uh, roulette table, which is just a table game where you've probably seen in the movies where you spin a ball in sort of this bowl thing and the ball lands on a number between. One in 36, I think. And then there's two green numbers, but whatever. And usually people just, you know, bet red or black and, you know, try to double your money or sometimes you lose your money, whatever. And then I got to the three card poker table, which is another table game. I won't go into all the rules or anything, but I ended up doing really well there, probably from beginner's luck, but, you know, my uncle gave me a hundred dollars just to mess around with while we were hanging out at the table. And I ended up walking away with like $450. So, you know, obviously after that, I could see the appeal of what, what this was all about. Luckily, I, I think it was my mother and my aunt was there and she stayed my hand from continuing on and probably going on to lose some of that money. I ended up pocketing it and just being on my way. But the problem is, is you definitely could get addicted to the feeling of just, just so clearly winning at something and improving your, Sort of standing in that particular moment that you just it—it's hard to stop, honestly. But really fun time. I don't know. I have either of you guys um been to a casino, Nate or Greg? I have not. Greg, how about you?
1: I haven't either. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm eating cheese. It's just I—I I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to turn this into an ASMR um, cheese eating <laughs> podcast. But no, I haven't. <clears throat> but I have some experience around casinos, not really, but, um, I went to a John Mulaney show. Um, and that was at Foxwoods, I think, or yeah, Foxwoods, which is a casino in, um, I think it's in Connecticut, right? Yeah. I think it's in Connecticut. There's also Mohegan sun, which is right around the right around there too. Um, it's just, it's, a gigantic place. Um, and the it's, it's very, it was odd. It's the first time I'd ever been inside of like a casino. I didn't actually gamble or anything, but I was adjacent to all of the gambling things. And um, it was Stephen, like you said, lots of bright lights, but also very dark. Um, mm-hmm. And from what I understand, they do that. Well, they part of, part of what they do at casinos is to, they like close the blind so you can't see outside and the idea is they want to keep you there for as long as possible and if you glance up and saw that it's getting dark out or getting light out you might want to leave um but no i, I don't have any like a gambling experience um i don't have like a i would be very nervous to do it because i don't have enough skill in poker for instance to or black black well, blackjack isn't really skill i guess but I don't really have enough skill in poker to be able to be like, yeah, I'll put some money down on this. Um, uh, I don't want, really want to play slot machines. Um, it's kind of sad when I walk by, when I walked by like some people just sitting at the slot machines and just hitting the button and hitting the button. And it's like, how is that fun? <laughs> um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think if I got good at poker, I would definitely do it um, and uh, have some fun there.
3: Yeah, I think you guys kind of both, t- you and Stephen, kind of both touched on interesting aspects, I think. Because like, Greg, you're sort of talking about like how with casinos, they they really go through a lot of work to really carefully shape the environment around you. It's all very controlled and it's all supposed to make you feel a certain way. Steven, like you were kind of talking about how that made you feel. And, like, and so far as the like, kind of like you felt like anything was possible. You felt like you could hit it big. You could be successful. And when you were successful, like you could see how easy... Um, how easily you could kind of be roped into wanting to do it again, Nate. I know that you know, in spite of not being to a to a casino, you're probably the one of us that's had the most experience with a form of, I guess we can call it gambling. But you can probably elaborate elaborate a little bit more on like what it is you've actually done in terms of like the predictions and stuff with sports that you've done. But have you felt, you know, from your experience, and and I think you, what your experience will go to show that even though none of us have really been too involved in the casino, like there's plenty of ways and plenty of like structured events around us that involve some form of gambling. So um, yeah, maybe you can, you can give the listeners kind of a take on what it feels like to really be in the thick of an experience like that, even though you weren't technically in a a casino doing it.
0: Yeah. um, Well, I've done a couple things. I mean, I'm really not that experienced, but I've, I've, you're correct that there's some experience, some casino-like experience. The gambling experience is now available online for many people. And we can get into this, but it's increasingly, it's becoming easier and easier to access. Um, I think we're sort of in a gambling renaissance or like re-renaissance. I don't know. It's like, Like you said, sports betting has been just recently legalized in Massachusetts. I think it's been um, legalized all over the place, more and more so legalized all over the place. And more and more so, you see a ton of advertisements and sponsorships by companies like DraftKings, uh, FanDuel, MGM, Caesars Sportsbook. Like These are some of the biggest advertisers and companies that weren't really a thing 10 years ago. So anyway, I do have experience using DraftKings. And what I used to do on DraftKings was um, weekly fantasy. So you could just for one week create a fantasy team and you would just be put up against other people competing. And there's like different leagues, I guess, you could play in. Um, So it would be like you pay $3 in. I, I didn't put large bets on these. You put like $3 in. And you're one of 10,000 people um, competing uh, for picking the right players who are going to play well across all of the games that Sunday or that weekend, something like that. You could, I think it was like, oh, you could pay $20 to be one of like 500 people. So if you're really confident that you could win amongst like an elite group, then you could kind of. Put more on being in a smaller, uh, a smaller group, and also like maybe it's a very it's like only the top ten people win, and it, the way it usually works in that was like oh the top fifty people would win like a dollar, the top twenty five people would win like a hundred dollars, the top one person would win
2: a thousand dollars, something like that. Are you saying so, like there's sorry there's different like levels of stakes, kind of? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cause so like, like there's
0: there's different round, like different leagues and different tiers that you can compete in with different levels of buy in and then different levels of okay probability, I
2: guess. So there's like yeah, there's like you know, just sort of low level kind of just you know, you just want to put a little money in and just do it mostly for fun, and then there's like the high roller stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I also used to mess around. This was not with money. Some one of the things that sort of got me into sports betting generally was um the five the website 538, which is sort of like a weird making statistics cool website with both sports and politics. Uh they had like a a NFL betting online game. There was no money involved. Um But essentially, you would just, it was more just picking the weekly winners of each, um, each game, uh, NFL game. And depending on the, the more that you, you bet you decided a certain probability that a team would win. And the more confident you were, the more points you could win or lose, depending on the outcome of the game. Uh, so anyway, that sort of just got me into like thinking about probability of winning and, um, it's an interesting to bring it back to the Massachusetts sports betting thing and the distinction of what is being legalized in Massachusetts and why it's weird. So I said I was living in yeah, I was in Amherst when I was doing those daily uh, weekly fantasy uh, bets on DraftKings. Um, that's fine. That's legal. It was legal before. It's still legal, but it's not. It was not legal to bet money on the outcome of an NFL game. So you couldn't bet $20 that the Eagles are going to beat the 49ers, but you could participate in this convoluted fantasy game where you pick players. You could still put $20 on football outcomes, but it's not simply the, who's going to win. You'd have to go to New Hampshire. If you wanted to, you'd have to go to New Hampshire to set up a DraftKings account if you wanted to bet on just who's going to win the game. So that's why I think it's kind of weird because it's like, well, if it's okay to put money, to gamble money on the outcome of a sports game, why not just let people gamble money on the final score and not individual player performance? It just seems kind of arbitrary. It seems like they probably made some loophole to be able to even make the, the weekly fantasy sort of games. But that's what's being legalized inside of casinos in massachusetts now and like i said there's new hampshire and lots of other states where it's all fair game um you could even do it online but yeah now in massachusetts you are able to go to a casino and bet on oh the eagles are going to win the chiefs are going to win i don't know it's weird it's uh
3: and you can't you can't do that you still, you're still unable to bet on outcomes on online sportsbooks like FanDuel, DraftKings. Yeah, in well, yeah,
0: in Massachusetts, yeah,
3: yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that was the that was the distinction that allowed you to kind of get away with finding a way to sports bet. Yeah, that you are not focused on outcomes. That's interesting. Y- mm-hmm. Yeah, it must. I would, I would imagine, it has to do with some sort of maybe loophole in the law. Um, the the like rise of online sports books in general, I find super interesting. Like all of the names of sports books that, I mean, you mentioned all like the casinos, but then there's, you know, there's their online equivalents. There are the independent kind of online sports books like FanDuel and DraftKings that have come and kind of legitimized online gambling. I feel like in a lot of ways over the past couple of years, like, I wonder if, you know, having more, organizations like that more companies like that um is (laughs) sorry greg's cat is making a cameo on the on the podcast here um is doing more to provide safeguards to gambling or if it's just sort of like um making it feel more normal uh more controlled but it's not necessarily there's just more places to do it and it's not necessarily making it like like any sort of safer any sort of more responsible uh just kind of like what's going on there you know why why are we seeing all these different uh options kind of sprout up and how has that sort of changed like i'd certainly made it easier to do it like you've your testimony nate is kind of a sign of the fact that like now you can go online and you can find loophole ways to get involved um but yeah, I don't know. Does that necessarily make the system any more refined, any any safer? Does it just kind of crowd the the market of gamblers? I don't I don't know.
1: I feel like
2: I don't know if anybody would know this, but I think it would help us kind of figure out what's going on with all this if we knew why this type of sports betting was made illegal in Massachusetts in the first place do not Do either of you know that by chance or it's a good
0: question did it used to be legal was it always illegal and then it was made illegal
2: or anyway i i feel like it well the fact that there's guess, a law against it kind of i feel like it used to be legal right right things don't
0: begin illegal they right um i imagine well Part of the thing that I would tie into the whole rise of sports betting, rise of sports books, uh, like, I, I feel like it sort of fits in with a general loosening of like old school moral laws. I don't know, I'm thinking marijuana legalization, um, you know, there used to be kind of old fashioned laws, at least in Massachusetts that. You couldn't buy um, alcohol on Sundays and that's not a thing anymore. Uh, So I feel like it's kind of just part of that tide. I don't... Yeah, I mean,
3: there's also like the outright kind of negative connotations associated with like casinos and gambling itself, like um, organized crime being involved in casinos, like people fixing, you know, matches, to get their gambling outcome realized. So um maybe yeah, just the inherent sort of like understanding or feeling in at least in our state about gambling was that like there's all these ways to exploit the system that we can't in good faith kind of endorse that. Um I guess that's just speculating, but um you can find a lot of reasons to poke holes in why gambling could be a bad thing, I guess. So I'd imagine regulators probably were pretty quick to do that here too.
0: Yeah, I mean, Massachusetts is a pretty puritanical state. So I think that we're kind of, it's not surprising to me that Massachusetts probably was like, no, that's a, that's sinful, that's bad for society. Um, yeah,
3: yeah. What I think is interesting, and I just looked this up, is that in spite of that, like gambling still exists in plenty of different ways the lottery is probably the mass state lottery is probably the most glaring example of that you can throw tons of money into you know gambling via like scratch tickets like the like mega millions all that all that stuff like and th- since 1971 it's been possible to do so so i mean it in that way it doesn't it almost doesn't seem like the idea of, of gambling itself is necessarily frowned upon but like the conditions associated with it or or what yeah like what we're gambling on um because yeah it's fine to you know and maybe it's the amount of money um because you do it you see you know scratch tickets are like five two dollar ten dollar at a time increments but i mean that definitely adds up some people time. buy
0: scratch tickets every single day
3: yeah
1: um yeah just Regarding scratch tickets. I got some for um a well, it's complicated, but I got a bunch of scratch tickets for free. And so I scratched them. I think there were probably over ten scratch tickets. And I spent like half an hour just sitting there scratching them. And I was like, I could definitely see how this can um lead how people can get addicted to this. Because And did you win? I like twenty five dollars total yeah because i was so close on some of them um like the num the winning number was like 12 and my number was like 13 or something like that so it's it's they really get you to um be excited about like oh i almost i was this close to getting it and next time i'll definitely get it um but how, yeah how that's much just my... uh,
2: how much were they worth like the group of scratch tickets that you scratched
1: um how much were they worth
2: yeah like uh were they ten dollars scratch tickets five dollar
1: it was a mix of all uh all sorts of like some of them were like twenty dollars some of them were ten some of them were five um
0: so So would you say maybe you won like twenty five dollars off like a hundred dollars of scratch tickets maybe or fifty dollars like what do you think the return was on that
1: um well for me it was a hundred percent because i didn't have to pay for them but (laughs) Um yeah I would probably $25 for 100 I would say yeah that that sounds yeah. right.
3: Yeah you guys have just inspired kind of another thought in in my head in saying that and it, sadly it was just because I was thinking about losses and I was thinking about you know kind of alternative forms of of gambling and it made me think of uh in the past several years investing has kind of been a de facto form of gambling. Um, As a lot of like influencers in the tech space uh, have put kind of their hat in the ring to push different stocks and just a lot of like tech bros have kind of followed suit. Um, Stocks and cryptos have have kind of in their own right become another way that is legal that you can do that we can do in Massachusetts of putting tons of money into essentially a gambling asset. And, and I know at least recently, a lot of those investments, a lot of those gambles have crashed and burned. Crypto has tanked. NFTs have been shredded in value, um, which people thought was going to be kind of the next get rich quick kind of avenue. So I don't know, maybe we could get a little bit into the investment side of things and maybe just look back on some of the stories and, and, um, kind of instances of how, you know, that that's just sort of, there are all these different things kind of going on around us that we like to think of as super propped up and super legitimate. Um, and we we definitely like kind of boogeyman casinos right now. Um, that's kind of the latest, like, whoa, I don't know if we should be doing that. But like all around us, there are people making and losing money in completely legitimate, complete like crapshoot risky ways. So yeah, yeah i there. was
0: <laughs> i'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. That was something I was gonna bring up um as a example of yeah I also had the same thought that that's a way gambling manifests and and I would argue that the stock market has always been about gambling um not just recently, but recently, it's being a i don't know exaggerated or uh what's the right word?
3: I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. It's I, almost I would predatory,
0: say like, I would say like, yeah, the, I think that more
3: volatile maybe. Just... Yeah.
0: Yeah. Volatile. I would say the stock market has been more volatile in the rise of companies like Robinhood, um, In my mind is very similar to companies like DraftKings. of like, let's make, yeah, yeah. let's make this, whether it's gambling or whether it's stock market investing, uh, let's make this very accessible to people very enticing. Let's offer some free bets or a free stock when you sign up. Let's get people hooked on this feeling of, of winning.
3: Um, you can, Yeah, you can see your earnings kind of yeah. tick up or down in real time. The mm-hmm. UI is very focused on yeah. and this, how much money you have. And yeah, and as, and
0: as you guys you have. know, I have, I have much more experience with betting on stocks than I do betting on, on sports. You guys know... Yeah the audience might not know this, but, um, I was fully, uh, if you guys remember, I was all in on the, uh, on the GameStop debacle of 2021. Um, and that when you were talking about like the rush of gambling and the rush of winning, um, Steven and and Greg both mentioned that earlier, like to me that day, I don't know if you guys remember that day where I was just like on the computer I was I do like remember on... that day, yeah, <laughs> I was on the computer all day, and I had like the stock ticker on one screen on like my laptop and on Reddit, Wall yeah. Street bets on my monitor. like I that sort of rush of watching that stock rise as I had bought it that morning was like on par with the most exciting sports game I've ever seen. like that was like yeah. a like a Tom Brady comeback. Super Bowl 51 sort of thing where I was like glued to the screen, adrenaline pumping, yeah. not like could not believe that it was unfolding before my eyes. Um, for those who
3: like, don't maybe don't remember or like they weren't as involved and and just kind of yeah, I mean, this is years back. ago at this point. Maybe you just give like a quick kind of review of like the the rise and fall, the big the big fall, yeah. Uh, so, because uh, I think there's been documentaries about it too, right? Like, is there a Netflix documentary out about the GameStop thing? I feel like there is, no, maybe. Um yeah, like what happened to yeah, so that was,
0: that was two years ago now. That this was, so the stock market kind of went all over the place when COVID first hit. It tanked and then a lot of tech stocks kind of rose and a lot of things I think were undervalued and, and both undervalued and overvalued. Uh, no one really knowing what the outcome of COVID was going to be. And one of those things that had really tanked during COVID was GameStop and a lot of other like Big box old retail stores like who's who's physically walking into a GameStop um, and buying copies of video games anymore? Everything is done online. COVID just kind of exaggerated that. So a lot of stores like GameStop were had really tanked in value, and that there were some. There's a, a small group of investors who were truly ahead of the curve, and they thought that GameStop was undervalued in that as a company it actually had um a lot to offer um and like famously michael burry who's the same guy who predicted the stock market collapse of 2008 um and shorted the housing market when everyone um basically thought that would always continue to rise and the guy who was basically one of the few people who was right about the 2008 financial collapse had been investing in gamestop since like 2019 or something like he saw this coming he saw the GameStop thing coming from years before which is crazy but most people kind of for the most part it became this sensational thing discovered by people on Reddit where it's still sort of questionable whether or not it was completely driven by people on Reddit um, but I think there was a couple smart people who are on Reddit being like Hey, GameStop is super undervalued. Like this is, this would be a great long-term investment. Like this is what I would recommend is investing in GameStop because it's super low and it will rise. So like this went viral on Reddit, um, which as many people know, is like an online giant online forum space with a lot of different subcommunities, and essentially I'll like a huge community of people online all bought GameStop, tons of GameStop stock. And it became this viral thing. And it sort of artificially made the price of GameStop skyrocket. So I think it went from like a few dollars a share to up to like $300 a share at one point, like they exponentially exploded the, the value of the company GameStop. And I think it sort of helped that it was like, amongst like internet nerds like what better company to make like a joke a joke stock market explosion out of than like a their old favorite retail video game store um and then that caused a bunch of legal controversies cuz is that stock market manipulation to kind of hive mind online to all buy the same stock uh i don't think I don't think it ended up going. I I the, like I don't think investors of GameStop ended up being penalized. Um, there's more complicated um, bits of that that I sort of forget. That some people, a lot of companies had shorted GameStop because they thought that it would just kind of always fall. And then uh, there was like certain dates when the people who shorted GameStop like their invest they would have to pay up and. I sort of forget but there was a lot of I was totally a bandwagon um investor of this I learned all about it like the day before it all happened and I bought a good amount like the morning of and rode the wave up and I luckily with the help of you guys and some of our other friends I think you guys kind of sort of like Stephen was saying when his mom and his aunt like stayed stayed his hand that's what you guys had to do to me I remember you guys were like Nate like what like sell right now? Why would you not? Um so I did, and I came away. I was one of the few people who actually came away with a profit from the whole um GameStop uh experience because it did soon plummet afterwards. I don't I still don't think the stock has it like exploded, had a few minor uh volatile moments since then, but I still don't think the GameStop company value is as high as it ever was that. Um, Jan- I think it was January 2021, so about two years ago. I think it's um, still low. So anyway, that uh, that's what comes to mind to me when it comes when I think of gambling and the rush of gambling, and the rise of companies that make gambling more and more accessible. Because in other instances of using Robinhood, um, over a f- several years when I did use Robinhood, I also lost a lot of money. Um, I also made bad bets and fell, um, you know, made mistakes, fell prey to thinking I would, things would always go higher. Um, not having patience to just, I I made, I, there were times on Robinhood when I made good bets on things and I should have just let them be. And I would have made money over time, but I overthought them and I was, I just didn't know what I was really participating in and I made bad decisions and I didn't lose like tons of money, but, uh, I guess it wasn't a full waste of time. Cause I learned a lot about the stock market in doing so, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It, I, I think it was, it made something that I don't know, I'd be, be happy to hear other people's thoughts. Cause on one hand, it's sort of democratizing an activity that for a long time is kind of left to the old cigar smoking uh, elite of Wall Street and allowing everyone to participate. But on the other hand, it's uh, yeah, I, I see it sort of predatory of like trying to hook young people in who don't really know what they're doing to drop money And the in the scary thing about Robin Hood is um The reason why it's free to join Robinhood and trade on Robinhood is because Robinhood collects user data and sells them to investment companies so that um, big banks basically just learn the patterns of uh, investor behavior. Uh, And it's in a weird way, it's like a big experiment and everyone using Robinhood is just a a guinea pig and they're sending all the data and they're being paid to send the data um, to yeah, different financial companies. So companies like Robinhood are uh, making out like bandits, I assume. And I assume DraftKings is making tons of money as well. I mean, when you think about every ad, I hear DraftKings ads everywhere on podcasts, on TV. Um, Every ad that you hear for DraftKings is paid for with money that somebody lost gambling. Just think about that. Like all the money that that company has is from comp- money that didn't people put in and didn't get back. So when I see like a super super profitable gambling company like that, um or investment app like Robinhood, I'm like, mm, they're they have some scheme that's working for them. So yeah, that's my uh that's my spiel. Happy to hear what others think about that
1: um i have lots of thoughts on this um on that last part nate um the question to me isn't well it's weird because i don't i don't know if the state should be sponsoring gambling or allowing it to happen but what i do know is that it's going to happen anyway so um if you have legalized sports betting with companies like DraftKings and they're making a lot of money off of people losing money. Um, at least if you did it, if, if, uh, if it was illegal and it was being done anyway, it, you have less recourse as someone who's participating in the gambling. If like, for instance, DraftKings or the dark web equivalent of DraftKings was ripping you off because you're doing something illegal. So you can't, um, you can't really uh, do anything about it, which is really the, that's the argument for all sorts of legalization schemes like drugs too, um, and prostitution and other things. Is like, if you have it, if it's illegal, then um, it opens up all sorts of possibilities for exploitation because all of that stuff is going to happen regardless of whether or not the government says you can do it. Um, so that's one Aspect. I mean, I, again, I still, I'm sort of uncomfortable. Like when I think that when I look at like a billboard for the Powerball or, um, or like a, like a a state lottery, like Keno, for instance, um, it makes me uncomfortable to know that the state is raising money based off of people's gambling addictions. I mean, it's not all gambling addictions. Not everybody who gambles is an addict, but it, it's a huge, like, um, uh every, it's it's a vice that's been known since the beginning of history. Um, and that's something that they're just making money off of. So it's the other thing is it's kind of weird for the state to both say, Oh, you you can't you can't gamble, but you can buy lottery tickets from us, which is the same exact thing as gambling. Um, yeah. I mean,
3: regardless of whether or not it's addiction, it's the state making money off off people losing money, right? Right. Like what they would right. say. Like the those those private companies are paying for their ads based off people losing. Probably net millions of dollars, right? So it's yeah, yeah. Either way, it's at the expense of the right residents of the state. But yeah, I just wanted to jump in on that.
1: And then the stock market um thing that you brought up, Nate and Robinhood and the GameStop debacle. There's all sorts of interesting ways that you could take that. Um, I think uh, well, you asked about the democratization aspect of it. Um, because it's true when you have something like Robinhood that's free um well nothing's really free but as you said nate but um it's it costs no money to actually sign up for it and and start making bets because that's basically what it is is bets um then you're opening up the opportunity for everybody to get in rather than just have wall street people making all their money on um on uh on investments but um then you're also opening it up to people doing it when they wouldn't have done it otherwise. And they're not treating it like investments. They're not treating it like a long-term investment where you put your money in and you keep your eye off the, off the stock market and take like delete the app off your phone or whatever, but still have the, the data in there. What people treat it as is like a gambling thing. Like you say, Nate. So, um, I don't know if, I mean, I think, there's other democratizing efforts in investment stuff. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of uh, index funds. Probably, Nate, you see, maybe might be familiar with it a little bit. Um, index funds are basically, you can buy a small chunk of the entire stock market or of an entire um, stock exchange like the NASDAQ, for instance. Um, and basically what it is, is just this little chunk of, and you can buy as much as you want of it. Um, and your money is just, um uh, it's just riding the stock market wave. So, you know, it goes up when it, when the stock market goes up, it goes down when the stock market goes down. And those are a lot more accessible than, um, having like a mutual fund where the, with, a, with a, a money manager going in and buying stocks and selling other stocks and stuff like that. And actually what, it, as it turns out, um, those money managers don't really beat the market very often. Uh, it's it's not likely for them to beat the market. Everyone thinks that they have some sort of fancy um, or special ability to beat the market. Everybody who does that sort of thing for a living at least. Um, But nobody actually does uh, because the market is so volatile and there's so much, there's so much information that you don't have access to as an investor, even if you're a professional investor. So I think if you want to sort of promote the democratizing or the the um, if you want to promote sort of like um investment opportunities to be open to more people, I think the way to do it is via something like an index fund rather than something like Robinhood because it's you're treating it more as an investment, whereas with Robinhood, it's more of a gamble,
0: yeah. But ultimately, that's a lot less fun and therefore less enticing. That's like for a sports betting metaphor, that's like betting. That every single like so what you're saying an index fund is betting in many many companies across the whole economy. That's like betting every single sport on every single sports team. Like you're gonna bet all 32 teams, or or like you're gonna bet the winners of all 16 games, or you're gonna put money on all 32 teams across the whole weekend. Which wouldn't make sense. You'd obviously break even every single time. But something like that, like you're you're gonna bet that the 10 best teams are all gonna win every single week. And, yeah, you're generally going to probably win more than you lose because amongst the ten best teams, maybe there's a couple upsets, but most of them are going to continue to be good. Um, but I don't know, it's a lot more enticing to like, yeah, I'm gonna pick that one underdog and and really stake it all. Um, yeah, and
1: that's why it's that's why it lends itself to gambling and that. Not- yeah like in this in the stock market like picking one company like gamestop makes you feel good because it's like oh this one company and i'm a part of this little community that's all doing this it makes you feel good but it's like um it's very unlikely like that that type of success story is very rare
0: yeah and also also like just the way apps work and the internet works and people our age work is you know it's a lot of stimulation like we want a lot of the idea of um, you know, just making a bet and then waiting, letting it letting it grow for 50 years is not really conducive to like, no, I want to like trade now and and literally watch the ticker move up and down over the course of the day on Robinhood. Um, which is why like I I have other investments now since I've wizened since my Robin since my uh, GameStop years. Like I have a fidelity account now but i don't even i don't have the app or anything like i, I just log into it sometimes on my computer because i don't want to look at it so um yeah that's not very fun but anyway um steven what do you think about all this
2: i don't know much about investing or the stock market or anything I, i've never really dipped my toes into that pool too much but just listening to you guys kind of talk about it it i'm trying to wrap my head around i definitely don't think like people should go into stocks and investments like that thinking of it like gambling because there is some one of a difference that i'm trying to piece together in my head which is basically with the stock market and stuff like that there's you are gambling your own money but it's not so much it's not an immediate transaction you you you're purchasing something in a sense in that thing will either gain or lose value as time goes on, and that's sort of the gamble of it. Whereas in traditional gambling, such like with sports betting or casino, card games, slot machines, scratch tickets, whatever, you're putting your money down on a singular event, and if that thing happens, then you instantly get a winnings or you lose your investment and then that transaction is closed and that i think that's what you know sort of makes it exciting is so it's like it's it's instant you know dopamine to the head when you when you win big and uh you know the adrenaline of risking maybe a good chunk of money and hoping you don't lose it. But if you try to treat the stock market like that, or in investments, it's, it doesn't, it's too slow and sort of
1: doesn't, it doesn't sort of,
2: you know what I'm trying to say here. There's, there's a fundamental difference between it and, I had another thought about this, but, um, oh, also in traditional, I'm not sure if this is how it works with the stock market or anything like this, but something I kept thinking in my head while you guys were discussing it was that, you know, in, in casinos, there's always the saying, the house always wins, which means throughout an infinite amount of time, no matter how many times someone hits jackpot or blackjack, whatever, the casino is going to make a profit because if it didn't, then it would go out of business. And I was trying to think if that applied that sort of logic applied itself to the stock market, but I don't, I do, do you guys know what I'm trying to say? Like, could you say the same thing about the stock market or is it sort of not work that way? Because it's not like the, you know, it's not like the stock market itself eventually ends up with more of your money, unless it does. I don't know. Someone help me.
1: I think you're right, well, Steven. Oh, go sorry, ahead. go ahead, Mike. Go ahead.
3: Okay. I was just going to say it. I know very little about this, but um, I remember a lot of people were kind of, and it kind of makes me think back to like the whole like democratization thing Nate was talking about, where it's like technically this allows people the opportunity and there was a lot of this in you know beginning with the pandemic i think people became obsessed with finding different opportunities to like get rich quick like are you going to buy a cheap house are you going to throw your money into low valued stocks um but i really think like the lack of education around investing and like the lack of fin- like financial means to really responsibly stably gain from the stock market just makes it so that I feel like at the end of the day, and i I remember this being a big component of the conversation. It's like the people that know how to invest wealthy people at the end of the day will know and be able to and 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 are just kind of more aware of, like when to sell. And and I feel like in a lot of situations where there was all this volatility, like, you know, I'm sure there were people, the people that Nate was seeing on Reddit, for example, that knew exactly what was happening and that they were going to tell people to invest in something, its value was going to bubble up and then they were going to get out. And then the value of that stock was going to crash back down. And all of those people who got in on this dream of getting rich quickly, getting that instant gratification were like just the mechanism for the people who had the platform and the means to really make something out of those situations to end up like all the more profitable. That's like a really like uh like qualitative answer to that but it does kind of read to me as a situation like the people that have the most information and the most money like are probably going to be way more okay than the people who are throwing their dreams into you know one company share for like a day and just expecting that to give them what they want so uh,
1: Mike, for that i don't know if that yeah I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know if I agree on the, for instance, like the GameStop thing that you were just sort of alluding to there. Um, like the way you sort of made it sound was that some people with superior knowledge or information basically hoodwinked other people into buying a bunch of GameStop stock and then they jumped out early and collected all the money from it. Not all the money, but collected a lot of money from it. But I don't think really that's what happened at all. I think it was more of the, it was an organic process. Like nobody, no one person said, oh, I'm going to have this, I had this idea to make a lot of money and I'm going to test it out on Reddit and make all these fools lose a bunch of money what they said was, or like, there was just this organic movement that happened as a result of people being connected via the internet and stuff way more than has ever happened before. And so the result of that was this bubble, um, which has happened like countless times throughout history. Um, So I don't think, I mean, I get, I sort of get the point, but I don't think that it's there's no nobody could have predicted that the bubble actually would have formed or burst like nobody nobody predicts or is really very few people can actually predict that stuff with any level of confidence because it's all risk and it's all in the future and you never know what could have happened um in the interim so um but Stephen, yeah i think
3: that's fair i I just want to say i think that's fair i think kind of more more so what i'm saying I, i realize like yeah, I don't know the exact start of like what you know what it was about the gamestop stock and the conversation around it that made it go as big as it did. I think is is more to say, like, I just think there's always going to be people who are better positioned to know when something is fragile. And I know that's not always the case because we saw in like two thousand and eight that you know, very few people that would call themselves smart and plugged in were, you know, aware of the fact that things were going to go the way that they went in the, in the housing market, right? But um, yeah, I don't know. At the same time, maybe it's just like a cynical, it's it's just me being cynical, but I, I would just expect that there are people involved in driving energy around those conversations. Maybe not necessarily like with GameStop, but maybe they saw the success of GameStop and the subsequent, you know, meme stocks were kind of part of that. Again, I don't have any evidence of it, but I just, I would assume people that know um and can anticipate like gambling habits and the market's volatility would expect um to bring a little bit more um like conservatism to their uh actual betting in those stocks and knowing like we push nate to do like when a better time to jump out would be um rather than you know following that dream of getting rich quick like all the way to its crash um but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, it could totally just be that the community bumped it up and they all failed together too. There's probably a lot of that too. I mean, I know in, in the Reddit pages Nate talks about, Um, there are a lot of people who are wholly invested in getting rich, as you were saying, Greg, that just genuinely, they just didn't, they failed. Like they just, they stayed in too long and, and they were devastated. And it's We're talking thousands and thousands of dollars. Like, and they just kind of Brush it off and get back in there. So, um, yeah, I know people definitely do lose that would have would have expected to win too. Sorry, Stephen. Um, go ahead.
2: What? No, I, think I, it was, I, think... I was
1: talking to. Yeah, no, you... I was going to oh, address okay. Stephen's <laughs> other point. Yeah, go ahead, Steven, You asked about like, I think you're right. There is a difference between investing and gambling, even though. Sort of at face value, they have it's a similar transaction. I think it's, I think that like sound investment, sound investing, um, and like prudent and careful investing is a totally different thing than, um, than gambling. But I do think that sort of like crazy investments, um, or like if you look at like the housing market, um, crash. In 2008, one of the, the chief reason why people why the housing market crashed was that people who couldn't afford mortgage payments um, were being offered mortgages at really low rates. And then when the value of their houses uh, went up, well, I guess the idea was they, they bought houses with money that they didn't have and then we're making mortgage payments on it with the hope that they could sell the house for a higher value in like 2 years um but then once the once the market started to go down they started losing all their money and um like they were just sort of going broke and i think that sort of investing is really more like gambling than anything else um and there's no like you said it's even like the 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 house always wins in a casino There's no real, I don't think there's really an analog or an equivalent in the stock market because the stock market is, there's not owned by any, any one person. It's a combination of billions of people and a bunch of companies and stuff like that. So I don't think that anyone, it's those
2: goddamn one percenters I'm telling you. (laughs) Well, I would argue that it's not
0: the same. It's not by the same mechanism that the house in a casino would always win, but those who work in finance and work in wall street for wall street banks and work for um
2: anyway yeah like those who work for wall street are gonna perhaps always get like
0: win i guess um and make money off of whether or not the stock market is going up or down, um, even in the case of 2008, a lot of the employees at banks um, or executives at banks who were somewhat responsible for the whole crisis still kept their jobs or you know, at the very least were not penalized for um, you know, unwise financial strategy that caused a lot of people a lot of harm. Um, certainly the people who worked in wall street didn't, didn't experience the same sort of loss that those who, you know, lost their life savings or their house, um, via their mortgage, uh, did. So, um, and there's sort of the phrase that like the person who, the person who makes the most money in a gold rush is the, someone is the the person who sells shovels. And I think that is kind of, uh, kind of the case in investment as well, that, um, the brokers and the people who are facilitating the stock market uh, are going to come away pretty well, regardless of how the individual investors do. So it's it's not exactly the same as the the house of the casino, but it might have the same outcome. But I also agree with Mike's point, too that there's there's people who are just um very well-educated and kind of, um you know, back to the Robin Hood, DraftKings thing, are kind of uh, playing those who are less educated and are just kind of trying things out. It's kind of like card
2: counting. Yeah, we didn't even get into that. Maybe. It might be a stretch of an analogy, but it just made me think of it. The only... The only difference, Art. I guess, being it would be like if you're counting cards at a blackjack table, you're not like inadvertently hurting the other players. You're just hurting the house by giving yourself a little extra boost of winning or chances of winning. But the yeah, thing I mean, is, this... I'm oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead, man. I was you just going gonna... to. I was just going to say the thing is, um, casinos can, it's not illegal to count cards, but casinos don't allow it typically. Then they'll ask you to leave if they know you're doing it. And I don't, why is that? Why (laughs) why
3: is it frowned upon to count cards? Because those that don't know, like me, (laughs) it seems bad. Like it sounds bad, but like, what's the actual reason about it? If you're smart enough to do it, why can't you do it?
2: You can do it. The But the casino has the right to ask you to leave because they don't want you to be winning more than you should. Because then, I forget, I think if you count cards perfectly, you get like a 50.5 or 51% chance to win a given hand in Blackjack. Or not a given hand, but like on average you'll come away with more than you're putting in. Whereas You know, just playing normally, I think you're at like a 49% chance to win. So, you know, that 1% builds up and that's how the casino makes money. But if people are counting cards and, you know, pulling that, then all of a sudden they're at a loss over the course of a day. Well, assuming that everybody's counting cards. So, yeah, it's not, they can't, you know, it's not a law, but they'll, certainly tell you to leave and my point being is that i don't think there's an equivalent of that for like uh those big wigs on wall street who are sort of you know they got a little bit of extra information about what's going on in the stock market and whatnot that like you know th- there's nobody who can say we see what you're doing stop it and I don't know. I it was, it was just something I was thinking about. But yeah, you it's, you were saying something like,
3: "No, that's that's awesome." I mean, there are, I feel like that, and there are so many examples of. I just feel like gambling and and kind of that sort of high risk, high reward scenarios that we didn't even really touch on that are just kind of baked into, a lot of other things that we don't always necessarily pay attention to. Um, I don't know if we have any. You want to give any kind of honorable mention shout outs to some of those things, I will give, I mean, I, I think one that I always think of is I think that quote unquote gambling has kind of become more prevalent in a lot of gaming. Like there are both in like mobile games, even console games. There are like the rise of the like pack where you can buy packs that give you rewards in game and there's no guarantee about what's actually going to be in those packs, but some give you competitive advantages um, so there's a lot of incentive to want to pay for the chance, the very small chance to get the most premium upgrades, um, which requires you, you know, continuing to pay in and, 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 and I, a lot of those systems are designed in such a way like they have very flashy lights. Like it's, it's like a rolling screen where you have to like stop like the meter and you get like whatever that thing is, like whatever tier of rarity the, the item is. So like. All of those systems, I think, in gaming and some to some extent kind of mimic um, just that really uh, innate sort of like what you essentially what all you guys have kind of picked apart where there's just that kind of that that hunger to get that quick win and and, and the atmosphere that's designed around um, how good it feels to get like the top item. When you get the premium item, it's like a different sort of uh sequence of lighting and like the sat, like the music's hype like it's 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 very intentional it's, it's it's really interesting once you kind of break it down like we have here so does anything else kind of stick out to you guys as like an honorable mention form of gambling or instant gratification that you think kind of fits what we've been been touching on today we've kind of hit some of the big ones
1: i can't think of any um specifically but i do want to recommend um a book to people if um if anyone's if anyone's still listening at this point um, and to to you guys, um, this book, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Um, he is a psychologist who actually won a Nobel Prize in economics for um, basically work that he did showing that people aren't rational, um, aren't inherently rational um decision makers. And basically what this is all making me think of is that gambling is all about psychology and Um, All the mistakes that we make thinking that we can win when we're really, we don't understand risk. We don't understand that the risk of something bad happening is a lot higher than we expect. So that's just a book that I would recommend to people who want to learn more about why we are the way we are and how that can apply to this topic. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, good shout.
0: um, One example that comes to mind which you know now i'm thinking about it it seems super obvious like arcades um like kids arcades i was just thinking about that actually. yeah, yeah. When, when mike was saying flashing lights and hitting the thing at the right time like that is it seems way more
3: david busters it, it's ve- yeah david busters
0: <laughs> is great david busters is insane I mean, Talk talking about <laughs> overstimulation and like it's and it's kind of messed up too when you think about like you know, like again it sort of like seems like the word predatory it keeps coming to mind when i think about the different schemes of these companies like to just throw kids in like that sort of overstimulated environment and um you know you get the rush of winning something every once in a while i mean it's you like it's easy enough or like it happens enough that you can win a moderate amount from a game that like you get hooked and you want to keep playing and keep putting money in and like the funny joke of it all is that the prizes are like such cheap trash that you would yeah that you can get um I mean to a kid it's sort of like fun to save up and oh I'm gonna get like the 200, 200 ticket thing or you know 1000 ticket thing but um yeah that's uh I th- I think it's sort of I mean it's all fun and games uh no pun intended quite literally it's fun and games but it's also uh, yeah it seems a little unethical in my mind to just kind of rip rip kids off and rip parents off um, with with that sort of stimulation mm-hmm. um, so yeah that that's what comes to mind to me
2: yeah i don't I don't think those places are necessarily maliciously doing it on purpose, but they're almost kind of like grooming kids at a young age to appreciate sort of. The art of gambling in like casinos, basically. Cause if you think about it, they kind of look exactly the same. But, um, yeah, the last, the only thing I could think of was just like a little fun, maybe not so fun fact that, uh, was current and topical, which was, I think it was two weeks ago today at the time of recording. The Chargers were in a playoffs game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And at halftime, the Chargers were up 27 to nothing. And at that time, there was a better who put a bet of $1.4 million for the Chargers to win the game. And that, the, Going back to money lines, which I because I think I understand them now. This particular bet had a money line of negative twelve thousand five hundred dollars, which Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, means he has to bet twelve thousand five hundred dollars to win one hundred.
3: Yeah, I believe that's how that works.
2: Okay, yeah, that, I think that math adds up because he w- he stood to win eleven thousand two hundred dollars from a 1.4 million dollar bet. And anybody that watched that game knows that Jacksonville made a miraculous comeback to win the game 31 to 30. meaning that guy lost 1.4 million dollars just because he wanted 11 grand. Oh. That's tough. More of the story.
0: Like,
2: make good choices.
3: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean, but that's like it seems like such a safe bet. Like it seems like such a conservative. Obviously, it's not. But you know, like it's like uh, I'll I'll bet
2: once they're up by twenty-seven yeah. points. At I halftime. mean, it's yeah. I mean, yeah. I I was thinking about it when I first heard about about it, and I was like, he probably made the rest of the, like the money he just lost from doing exactly that over and over again, just. Mm betting big winning a little but then just keep you know keep building on that yeah and it just didn't work out for him this time
3: that is an awesome awesome example steven thank you Uh, he really really paints the picture of uh, i actually got got nervous i
2: I got nervous reading it for him
3: yeah wow and on the other side of that coin i can't look i i don't have it in front of me but Um, you guys should look up the story about the guy who, and I think it was in 2015 was from Leicester, England and bet on Leicester city to win the premier league against all odds. Um, They were recently promoted side to the premier league. Nobody had it in their predictions for Leicester to be anywhere near the top. And they ended up winning the premier league. One of a handful of teams to do so ever. Um, And that guy, I forget the sum of money, but on the other side of that coin, an improbable odd, very small. I don't think he had it, he didn't invest too too much money, but he wow, the return on that was crazy. Like he's a rich man. That's a time traveler. Yeah. Just I think he's just a fan of the team. Just took a chance. But yeah, this was this is awesome, guys. I think we covered a lot of different aspects, a lot of different areas of gambling, why people gamble, what it means. To gamble and, um, yeah, the potential upsides and downsides of, um, you know, having different entities involved in controlling gambling. Um, I guess in the spirit of gambling and betting, um, it would only be right for us to close this podcast with a bet of our own, um, at least a prediction. We can decide if we want there to be anything involved with the winnings. But I know, as we've done a couple of times, we've liked to make predictions about the uh, the end of the uh, the NFL season. So we have four teams left. We have two games today. So it's the – was it the 49ers and the Eagles and the Chiefs and – Bengals. the Bengals? Yeah, Cincinnati. So um, maybe we just go around the horn who we think is going to get through each game and then who we think is going to win it all. What's let me up?
0: Make a, I think that we should – we should make a prediction on the score and outcome of the Super Bowl. So okay. in that bet is implicit the outcomes of these games. So for example, okay. like I'll start, I'll say that um, um I'm gonna say Eagles thirty five, Chiefs seventeen. All right. So for example, that would I'm yep. I'm yeah, you guys get.
3: It. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Uh, who wants to go next?
2: Um, I'm thinking. Bengals 21, Eagles 17.
3: All right. Um, I'll I'll go. Eagles. 28 and Bengals. 17. 17.
1: This isn't really fair because I haven't watched a single football game all year. So I'm just going to go ahead and take a wild guess. Um, I think it's going to be chiefs. I'm going to, I predict a low scoring game. So like chiefs 13 uh, and then what 49ers is that the other one of the other teams? I that think could they possibly... would be the
3: underdog right now. They're the least favorite team. Okay. So,
1: so chiefs, Chiefs 13, 49ers nine. Nice. I like that. I like, I like the variety. Yeah. It's quite
2: a gamble, Greg.
1: I know. That's why <laughs> it's it's not gonna come true. We, but... Can we bet something silly? <laughs> can we bet something uh
0: like something in podcast terms, like the next person, maybe the loser the loser has to come up with the next topic or something like that? Like can the we loser has
3: to leave the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: keep doing that every year until there's only one of us left.
3: <laughs> it becomes a solo show, yeah. Um yeah, we can I don't know what that uh, would be Nate but
2: it'll be a surprise for next episode maybe. Okay. We'll, okay. we'll, yeah, fi- we'll, we'll, get we'll get figure out, out what the, yeah. we'll figure out what the punishment or by by the next time would be.
0: possibly I don't I think this will be up before the Super Bowl, but it will definitely the outcome of the games today will be known. So the listener yeah. will at least be able to narrow down who's the closest. Hmm. Um and then By the next time the next episode comes around, I would assume we'll know what happens in Super Bowl 57, 58, something like that. Um, Anyway, one last other thought I would say is just to open it up to the listeners. And um, if there's any examples of gambling in society that we missed, be sure to write in at Supply Demand Pod on Instagram and let us know if uh, there's any other illustrations of the things we talked about today out in the world. And with that, yeah. um, Mike, any closing thoughts on the topic? Uh, you already kind of said uh,
3: said them, so um. I don't think I have any more. Um, just to just to if you're gonna gamble, maybe gamble responsibly, and mm. if you're gonna do it in the stock market, probably listen to what Greg said, and you know, diversify your portfolio. But we're not financial advisors, so I I can't give you that professional advice. But just be smart with your money, please.
0: It's for informational purposes only. (laughs) Entertainment purposes only. Right. right, Yeah, actually, (laughs) informational is still too much of a stretch.
3: Uh, Factual purposes only. (laughs) Um, Cool. Yeah, that's all I got.
2: All right. Goodbye. See ya. Bye. Later.